This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotrich-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Do you have a New Year's resolution concerning money? Before you proceed, we'd like to help you take stock of your current situation and see how you compare to other Americans. Do you have a budget? Do you know how much debt you currently have? Ryder and Nancy are ready to take your calls this morning to help you with your personal finance questions. If you have one, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning uh, to you both. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. It's cold out there. It has gotten cold, yeah. It's, uh, it had been somewhat, I think, of a mild winter, a lot of rain, obviously. But, yeah, I think the last couple of days it's uh, gotten and quite damp. chilly. Winter is finally here. Although uh, this week is supposed to be a little bit uh, drier and warmer. So I think we need to enjoy the relatively warm weather uh, while we can because I think we all know February usually gets to be uh, pretty bad even here. Well, I just keep thinking if we can make it to the middle of March, that's the point where we're free and clear, right? Well, I don't know. It's spring then in Mississippi. But April can sometimes be. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's good. Middle of March. I'm End just glad that the days get longer, you know, right. since, since December 21st. The days have crept longer, which is nice. Yeah, this idea of it being dark at 6 o'clock, it really throws me off because I think, oh, it must be eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock by now. And it's like, I it's know. 7 o'clock. You're I like, know. oh, my goodness. Get on your jammies. Get in bed. <laughs> it's interesting, though. The weather is all relative because, you know, as a, a baseball fan, I... In April, when it can be a little bit chilly at the stadium, everyone's like, oh, it's so cold. But then when it comes July and it's like 99 degrees, it's like, gee, that cold weather, that cool weather would have been nice. Uh, Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, the government shutdown and how uh, some of the effects that people might be feeling. What about uh, other financial news in the news? Well, I think markets have been holding fairly well with this shutdown news. All of that got built in um, after Christmas. when we realized that was going to be our reality. And so we've kind of been just trading in a pattern right now. And we're basically sitting on hold with folks and trying to wait for some of this to sift through, which we think it will eventually. Um, yeah, so like we were looking at it yesterday, um, the week of Christmas was really something else. I mean, Painful. that really, really stood out, even after all of the kind of uh, the large drop in the last quarter of the year and the volatility um, that followed that, uh, the, you know, the steep drop before Christmas and then the rebound. Uh, we haven't gone back into that pattern. Um, we're just kind of holding, holding it, you know, a little bit lower than where we started, you know, last year. 
So it's kind of like, just and, let's forget that year um, and move on. Interestingly enough, in looking at mortgage rates, they've actually declined a little bit. So for those people who've been watching some of those CD rates going up and thinking, wow, I can jump back into some of those fixed income things, um, with a possible slowdown, we're seeing those rates decline. And so we may be kind of stuck at a level for a while. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and each week our producer, Liz Gill, has uh, find some interesting topics for us to sort of chew on uh, while we wait for your calls. But the main reason we're on the air each Tuesday is to answer your personal finance questions. So if you have one for us this morning, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can always send an email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So I guess the... Is this the longest government shutdown? I know we were nearing that. Yeah, record, I so. think we are there. I think it was like sometime last week we hit the longest. And it's what, if, 20? If we want to collect records like that. I think maybe we're in the 25th day. Yeah, it seems about right. that's right. Yeah. Uh, so let's um, I'm going to throw out a couple of areas where uh, there might be some effects and we can kind of uh, uh, f- figure out and chat about things. First uh, would be air travel uh, and obviously um, both um, air traffic controllers and the uh, TSA, I think, are federal employees. Right. And that yeah. makes me a little nervous. I'm getting ready to get on a flight this weekend. So, you know. So one issue, and, and, and you hear it a lot with TSA. People have been talking about it, you know, people calling in sick because they're not getting paid. Uh, so one important thing is after you know, some, it was maybe last Thursday and Friday was like the date most federal workers got paid. So this is, there's um, almost a million folks. I think it's like 800 thousand or more um, who are just not getting paid. They got a paycheck that said zero dollars. And um, you know, you can you can go a little while and 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 rock along and think this doesn't affect you until you get that paycheck that says zero dollars. And that's when that's when it starts ratcheting up. It's that's certainly very stressful for everybody out there, um, and, and people calling in sick uh, well, for TSA. You know that's that's affecting air travel. And uh, one of the statistics we have here that Liz gave us was that about half of American households live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there are a lot of federal employees who have been doing the same. They're maybe not earning a lot, or they're just living up to the amount that they're earning. That's very typical for us. Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Ryder mentioned, when you don't get a paycheck, uh, especially if you're on the lower end and we look at an unemployment rate of only 3.9%, then it becomes enticing to look at possibilities elsewhere. Yeah. If somebody was, say, hiring security guards, uh, federal prison employees are not getting paid, uh, TSA agents are not getting paid, and uh, boy, do people respond to an offer to get paid. Uh, and also, I think, I guess, uh, the, for federal employees, some have been furloughed, and others are still on the job but are not being paid, I guess. Right. Correct. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it's a combination of the two. All right. Uh, I think one of the uh, things that's been uh, pr- pretty much f- featured prominently in the news, and that is uh, parks and museums, the National Park Service, uh, and some of the things that are going on there. And Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to Glacier this time of year. <laughs> Why not? I hear it's no. lovely in the snow. <laughs> but 
some other ones certainly would be affected. And um, uh, down in Florida, those parks, I would think, would be visited at this time of year. We're hearing about some of the parks being left open, but they're not being manned. So damage is occurring and Mm -hmm. garbage is piling up. So that's an issue. Uh, This one hits close to home uh, because of the Vicksburg uh, uh, Military Park. I I didn't realize that, but that's, I think, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest uh, tourist attractions in Mississippi. Uh, And I know that uh, for a while, uh, sort of the Friends organizations have been have been trying to help out there. But, uh, you know, that would have an impact uh, probably on the entire uh, Vicksburg economy, but also, you know, maybe the surrounding areas as well. Well, I wonder about the Natchez Trace Parkway, you know, that typically is manned Mm -hmm. by officers. Um, Does that mean we can speed now? (laughs) I think the highway patrolmen uh, go on there, too. So plus also, if uh, if they're still there and they're working without uh, getting paid, they, they might not be as, as they won't forgiving. be as happy. That's yes, right. <laughs> they're glad to take your money. <laughs> uh, the agriculture department. Uh, I guess we could talk about things like uh, the food stamp program, but other programs focused on child nutrition, uh, school lunches. Apparently, the department says that they are funded through February. So a little bit of well, and this is a big deal for Mississippi because we heavily depend on that uh, agricultural business, and it's not only food stamps and help for children, but even getting loans processed. All of that has stopped. So farmers who Mm. are depending on those loans to come through are stuck. Um, We also knew that there was assistance going out to farmers to cover losses due to the tariffs. That has been stuck in a lot of cases if you haven't already filed for that. So our farmers are hurting because of this. So, and a lot of things, and this kind of combines with the next one um, because, you know, the agriculture department, you know, that's where uh, what we call food stamps, uh, supplemental nutrition for mm. Anyway, the AP uh, and the food, other food assistance programs, uh, a lot of those, you know, like it says, it's funded until January 20th. So, you know, kind of those payments have still gone through, but uh, new applications are being held up um, because in, in most of these apartments, you know, it's not everyone is gone. It's they're working with hardly any staff. And so new application for a lot of these programs are being held up and um, also how programs through HUD, uh, those aren't as big of an issue because the payments, again, you know, are automatic because they're still going through. So it's payments to landlords to supplement folks' um, rent. Uh, but n- the contracts aren't being renewed uh, because there's nobody there to do the renewing of the contract. So if, you know, if your contract came up in, in January, then the landlord isn't getting paid going forward. Um, if your contract is, is already set, you're going to get paid. But but that's the sort of problem it is. It's, it's not just that everything has stopped it's that it's slowly falling off and um, what most people don't really appreciate is the ripple effect of this so even if I'm not a government employee even if I'm not getting any sort of assistance from the government local businesses who depend on that are seeing their revenue decline you know think about Mm -hmm. Walmart and how much in food stamps goes through uh, that particular store Mm -hmm. And uh, think about all kinds of other activities that are related to what happens with um, 
these individuals. So that gets, you know, as, as Ryder said, it's not like running into a wall. It's just like this gradual grind to a halt. Yeah. And we have a big federal building downtown and a federal courthouse and nobody's getting paid in there. And they're not eating lunch. And they're not. That's very, and, and that's a big thing. Um, you know, those businesses downtown, mm-hmm. they're not eating lunch. And then, you know, when they go home, wherever, you know, wherever they live in the metro area, they're not shopping as much. And um, and, and we need that. We're, again, we're, we say it all the time. We're a consumer economy. We we live off of people going around and buying things. And that's a lot of folks who can't buy things right now. OK, I need to take a break here, but also real quickly, uh, Social Security services and offices are remaining open. Medicare, Medicaid and veterans benefits are unaffected. And also uh, the Trump administration confirmed last week that tax refunds will be paid. And that's a little bit of a departure from the IRS policy not to pay refunds during a government shutdown. Yeah, that's if they get processed. Good point. Exactly. Uh, also, uh, because of the shutdown, uh, the National Park Service has closed all 401 national parks, including the Natchez Trace Parkway. Uh, the motor road remains open, but no government facilities are available. All restrooms, visitor centers, sites, campgrounds, etc., are closed. Law enforcement rangers remain on duty for uh, to ensure public safety. Oh wow! Uh, oh, that's a big deal for me. You know, people on that road for a long time. Hmm. Behave, Nancy. Yeah. Well, you know, if if there's a lock on the the ladies' room door, <laughs> uh, and it says uh, that the closure will remain in effect until the shutdown uh, is over. So, uh, need to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we'll begin our discussion on helping you discover how you compare to other Americans in personal finance. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions as we do each week. The phone number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Phone lines are open. So, do you? have a household budget we'll let you know how many americans do when we come back you're listening to money talks on mpb think radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. A reminder that if you ever miss part of the show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again. Also, uh, there is the MPB Public Media app. When you download that for your smartphone, uh, you can listen to all of the MPB Think Radio shows on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Give us a call. The number is one 877 
877 MPB ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show as well, money at mpbonline.org. So we're talking about uh, how average are you trying to uh, sort of take a snapshot of people's uh, financial situations. Uh, Before the break, we asked about uh, how many Americans maintain a monthly budget. And according to a Gallup poll, about one third of Americans do so. I don't believe that. You think that that's lower? Lower. lower. That's really high. I think those are uh, represent people's aspirations. I mean, even I don't maintain a budget. I mean, I know what I spend and I spend within my means, but I don't. I don't look. I don't look at it like I used to. Unusual too. Well, I mean, I mean, any any regular listener of this show will know that I've talked about kind of my journey through that, and I started with obsessively budgeting and documenting everything that I spent, and knowing exactly that I was what I was spending every day and every week and every month, and I could tell you all of that. Uh, And then after a while, it kind of came so second nature. I broke it down into other categories and simplified, so it was less effort for me. Um, And now it's just kind of like I check the top line number. And I have a pretty good idea every month. You know, if, if, if I've spent a little more than usual or if I spent a little less than usual, I can probably off the top of my head tell you why. Um, just because I'm, I'm comfortable with it, but it's not a it's not a very formal process anymore. Um, and the other thing I think that's interesting about something like this, I wonder if in the poll, did they define what a budget is or was it that left up to each mm, individual respondent yeah. to figure out what it was? That's um, true. And I'll say I, I had gotten a little lazy in the last several months and had not really tracked spending that closely. I mean, I had I have a, a, a kind of a spreadsheet that I use for my checkbook register. And, I, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I would just have a big stack of receipts and at the end of the month would and put them all in and. Be quite honest, it's sort of at the end of the month. Sometimes you're like, oh, "Gosh, you know, uh, I'm going to overdraw that sort of thing." So I've, I've made a bit of bit of a, uh, a resol- New Year's resolution to be more diligent about, you know, doing that. And I think that does help you kind of realize where your money's going each month if if you're constantly putting in there and you can see it. And sometimes you grimace and think, "Oh gosh, look how much I spent on such and such." But that's a reminder throughout the month. Uh, maybe you know you need to cut back and and redouble your efforts to kind of stay on track. To your financial goals. Well, the most important thing you can do is make sure you pay yourself first. Uh, make sure you're contributing to those 401ks, and this is the start of a new year. It's a perfect time to go have back. Higher contribution yeah. limits this year. Higher, like and what are those you. limits now? Uh, so, for a personal IRA, uh, if you are under 55, that limit is $6,000. And if you are over 55, that 50. is 50. Sorry, uh, that is $7,000. And for the 401k, has bumped up also has bumped up five hundred dollars uh, to uh, nineteen thousand dollars and then the the catch-up contribution is still the same six thousand dollar on top of that you're listening to Money Talks, uh, and if you are listening this morning, we'd love to hear from you either with a personal finance question or as we talk about budgeting and some other financial matters for Americans, you know, maybe some insight about uh, your budget, how you stay on track each month financially. Give us a call if you do want to join the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So each year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics releases an overview of average American uh, household money management stats, and that's good at what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, the most recent report covers spending habits for 2017, and in that year, the average household earned $73,573. And let me just caution here about looking at average numbers.
numbers because, you know, that really skews the picture. I think it's better to look at what we call median numbers. An average number is just taking everybody in the group, uh, add them all up, dividing them by the number of the group. Well, you've got some people who are really on the high end that throws things off. But the median is if we line everybody up and we count up to the middle and we'll see what is the median household income. Mississippi is still at the bottom with the lowest median household income of $36,919. That is drastically different than this number that we see. And of course, averages is looking at that's problem. Also, if you're looking at national averages, that changes the picture. We have a very high poverty rate here, over 22%. So we're living much differently than the rest of the country. Also, it's interesting to me because my my household consists of one human and one cat. Uh, and mm. unfortunately, I, much as I would like to put him to work, uh, he pretty much lays around the house and sleeps all day. Good uh, for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, I guess because I looked at that, the first the average household income and thought, wow, I'm, I'm kind of way below that. Uh, but is an average these days is are there a lot of double income houses, I guess? Or? Um, there are. And. Uh, uh, but uh, you just look at the household as far as what are the earnings there. We do see more dual earning households, but we also see um, uh, a lot of single income, whether it's a, a, a single person, single head of household. Um, and so that's what we're dealing with. Uh, some of the numbers uh, from uh, this uh, this uh, average household earning, uh, the one that just caught my eye here, the average household spends 11% on food, but almost half of that, 44% on dining out. And this is one that we've harped on when we talk about mm-hmm. budgeting and ways to save money. But Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it, is to cut down on all of that eating out. Now, that's really hard to do if you're on the go, you know, back to the uh, a dual earning household and, you know, you're trying to get the kids to baseball practice and dancing lessons and take care of all of those things that have to be done, it becomes much easier just to zip through and pick something up. So what I've done, uh, what I've because I've tried to start uh, bringing my lunch to save a little bit of money because I realized, you know, dinner I was kind of half and half maybe, but I realized uh, that I'd started really kind of eating out almost every day. So what I've done is uh, try to when I either wake up or even sometimes the night before, you know, throw your sandwich together, throw it in the refrigerator uh, so that you can bring it to work the next morning. So that's helped but, me. But you know, Ryder has a different take on this because we know from research what really makes us happy when it comes to spending money is the experience, whatever experience we have, um, and if it's an experience that's shared with other people. And that really qualifies when you're talking about eating out, gathering around the table, right? Eating out can, I mean, for some folks, I mean, that's a worthwhile experience. Um, I, Like I said, I, I like eating out. And, and it's kind of, when you consider it as the experience of eating out, you know, it's kind of blending with, oh, is this also somewhat of my entertainment budget? You know, this is my, this is my Friday night out is just meeting up friends for dinner and we just spend a long time and hang out together. We don't do anything besides that, maybe. So it's it's not like we're spending an extravagant amount. We're spending a lot for our, our food, probably. It would certainly be cheaper if I just, you know, cook some rice and beans at home. Um, but but that's 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 part of my entertainment budget possibly is one way to consider it, but also uh, just the value that I get from that. It's worth it to me. And as long as I'm not, as long as I'm not going overboard and doing that every day, then, then I'll be all right. Supper club. 
All right. Oh, that's I'll a good one, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, but I agree with you because I think, you know, uh, when we're out to eat or when we're eating with people, you know, conversation, that thing, enjoying some good food. And, and I know that some friends of mine had a group that they went out with every, well, I, I defeated my own argument there because they went out somewhere. But also, I think, I guess maybe from my parents, that whole progressive dinner and that sort of things where people mm-hmm. get together and, you know, we go but to Nancy's house one week and she cooks and I cook the next week, that kind of thing. The key is, as Ryder said, as long as that is keeping you living within your means and you're not jeopardizing your long-term savings uh, and, you know, making sure you can pay all the bills in the meantime, it's fine. That's right. Don't, you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, go extravagant there. If you if you serve chili for your, your time around, I don't think the others in your supper club would get uh, too upset about that. Uh, the other one that kind of jumps out at me, the average expenditure for health care is 7%. That seems small to me. That yeah, that's what I was thinking. Very yeah. small. If I think about um, insurance and um, more and more people, even though most of us get our insurance through our employer, many of those employers have pushed that expense onto mm-hmm. our backs. So if you think about the insurance premium that you're paying for you and your family, uh, plus any deductibles and um, extra visits that aren't covered by insurance policy, um, and also remember that health care costs tend to be a little lumpy, so you can go along for a long period right. of time. You don't have any issues, and it only takes one big health event to really knock you off there. And so there are a lot of people in that group, again, when I look at averages, that are going to be spending a whole lot more mm-hmm. every month just to cover health care issues. Yeah, one thing about health care expense, it's something like 16, 17, 18 percent of the economy, something around there. Um, it, it, But nobody wants to look at their budget and say, what is 17 percent of that? Yeah, I could spend that. No, nobody wants to do that. So, you know, like you said, it, it's hidden by uh, subsidies from your employer, subsidies from, you know, government subsidies, um, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. Those are all expenses that it's not in your personal budget, but it's there and you're spending it somehow. Uh, Health care is just very, And we're paying for it somehow. It's yeah. Yes. And it's very, very expensive. And nobody's really just prepared to grapple with that. Uh, let's send a few minutes on this next uh, statistic. And Nancy, you referenced this earlier. A report in MarketWatch found that half of American households currently live paycheck to paycheck. And kind of compounding that, 19% have zero that dollars is shocking saved to, me. to cover yeah, emergencies. That is shocking to me. That's not good. And, um, and we tend to... Uh, get worse at that when the economy is doing well because we get lulled into this sense of oh my job's great and you know I think about those in federal employees oh they're going to figure this out they mm-hmm. always figure it out it's going to get solved before that paycheck comes through and suddenly it doesn't and you're not prepared um, so we we forget that we can have these big bumps and you need to have savings um, the more insecure your job is the more months you have you should have Mm. parked away up to about six months. You know, a steady job, maybe you're more on the two or three month side, but you need something because things happen. And this goes along with, as you were saying, you know, pay yourself first, the idea of uh, in saving for retirement, but also uh, building up savings and having this emergency fund. Because the other statistic, uh, 49% of Americans are concerned, anxious, or fearful about their current financial well-being. And uh, to me, if you are, it kind of affects the rest of your, you know, your relationships and, it, and that sort of thing. It affects everything. Um, you know, at times I have been asked by, by employers to come in and help employees who are under financial stress, because if you have an employee who's worried about their finances, 
they can't focus on work. They may be getting calls from collection agencies, and they may be worried about uh, all kinds of other expenses popping up. So they're not your best employee. Um, so the, it just affects everything. Time for another break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your personal finance questions as we talk about statistics for Americans and their financial situation. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. It's money at mpbonline.org. So if you're some of the two-thirds uh, that do not have a budget and you'd like to start making a budget for your household, we'll tell you where you can find one again. A worksheet to start things out after this break. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Uh, before the break, we talked about uh, if you don't have a budget and want maybe some help uh, to get one started, you can go to our website, mpbonline.org slash money talks. We've got a spreadsheet there that will help you out. It comes uh, via the Federal Trade Commission and uh, consumer.gov. Although, as our producer Liz Gill came in during the break and told us, we talked earlier about um, the government shutdown. And while she was able to get uh, the link to the budget uh, up there, she said on consumer.gov, there's a big banner that's basically saying we're out of business for right now. So. They haven't turned their servers off, though, so that's good. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. And again, I think um, uh, when you're starting budgeting and tracking money, something as, as simple as a spreadsheet or something, you know, where you see where the money's going day after day each month uh, is a start. And then I guess that can maybe you can be that is that sort of the genesis of a budget? You could you use that daily reporting as a way to kind of propel yourself to a more maybe extensive budget? Well, I think it's a good start to go back um and usually you want to go back over a year because there's some things that maybe only happen one time a year. So if you can go back over a year, take the time and look at how you spent your money in the previous year to give you a guideline for what you can expect going forward. You know, you're not going to change your house payment. Your t utilities, maybe you can cut them a little bit, but not a lot. But what you're going to find is there are some categories where you think, gosh, I had no idea I spent that much money on that. And do I really get value for that money that I'm spending. And so that just causes you to pay attention to those things. One of the things that I have done is, you know, almost all of my expenses go through a one credit card. So that keeps it in front of me. Of course, I get points on that. That's mm -hmm. my motivation for doing it. But I also get an alert every time a charge on the credit card comes through. 
And it reminds me, some of the stuff that I've signed up for automatic things, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, that are just like little drips and drabs. And I think, what's well, the big deal? But those things add up. And so I, I find myself going, oh, gosh, I'm not really using that service anymore. I need to go cancel it. Yeah, I did the same uh, kind of thing. I had, uh, you know, the crates are a big thing now where whatever your interest is, each month, every other month, they send you a box full of stuff. Mm, yeah. Well, I had one for the Mets because I'm a baseball fan, and it was coming every other month. And it was fun. Sometimes the stuff would be like it's a T-shirt. I'm actually wearing a lanyard that I got there. But other times it would be things like a deck of cards. You know the third pair of gloves they sent me, that sort of thing. So I, when I was, oh, you have an extra pair of gloves. Oh, I've, I've got two pairs of Mets gloves now. We'll talk later. Okay, uh, <laughs> but it was like it was fun. But you know, a, it was it was fluff, and B, I, I started getting like I said, I think I have three lanyards, two pairs of gloves, you know, that kind of thing. So I cut that out. And my other one that I was proud of is that uh, I subscribe to a service much like Netflix, except it's video games. So they send you these video games. You can play them as long as you want. You send them back. Well, I started out years ago and I had three at a time. Well, I'm not possibly playing three games at a time, so I cut it back down to two. Well, the same thing happens. I play one game for a while and then when I finish it, I'll play the other game. So finally I said, well, I only play one game at a time. Let me save myself some money. So I'm down to the only one game out at a time. And again, it's only like $9 difference. And at first I thought, well, what difference does that make? But then it's like, well, it adds up. that's $9 more in your yeah. budget every month. You know, that's eating out one time more and said that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other kind of tricky thing about when we're cutting back on little expenses at first, it doesn't really seem like much, but if you identify a couple here, you know, it does, it does begin to add up. We're looking for your personal finance questions on Money Talks this morning. Got some open phone lines uh, if you have a question for us. Or, again, if you want to talk about your budgeting experiences and maybe some successes that you've had, give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. And as a strange tangent, I've got a video game now that's tennis, which I play in real life. And the <laughs> video game is much more difficult than actual tennis is. So it's been very frustrating. But I haven't thrown my controller across the room yet, so I'm, I'm real proud of that. Uh, let's uh, look at some total American debt. This one comes from NerdWallet and their latest 2018 uh, data for the average American debt, a mortgage, uh, $184,000. Um, so wow. again... Uh, I, I can bet that um, if that, you live in California or on the East Coast, that number's a lot higher. Yeah, that can and buy that, you a lot of house in Mississippi. Yes, Oof. exactly. So here in Mississippi, that's one of our advantages uh, with the lower cost of living, lower cost of uh, real estate, that we're not spending as much on housing. But again, that's one of those where, because it's a national average, you know, it's it's the right. the, the big with the little there. Uh, revolving credit card debt, and I was surprised. I thought this maybe might have been a little larger, right at sixty nine hundred dollars. But still, that's that's a lot of money. That also includes people who, um, like Ryder and myself, who pay their cards off every month. Okay, and so we're not carrying balances. And if you look at just at people who carry balances, you're going to find that number more around the $15,000 range. Yeah, and and keep in mind, even though, you know, as we work our way down this list, that's the smallest number on the list. It's also the highest interest rate. You know, if you have a $184,000 mortgage, you might, it might be like 4%. Um, but this, you know, your seven thousand dollars on the credit card might be at twenty percent, and and that's a, you know, it, it's a much smaller balance, but it has a much bigger, it's a much higher cost to carry it. 
Uh, next on the list, student loans, $47,600. Um, we talked about that uh, issue here on the program before, and I think the advice that we've, we've given uh, on previous shows is when going into higher education, maybe pay a little bit more attention to what you're studying and that sort of thing and, and to sort of weigh your potential earnings. Right. And one thing to keep in mind, this is this is average for people who actually have balances outstanding. Um, but on the front end, before you go to college, you know, making sure you it's going to be a, a worthwhile college experience. You're going to get the experience you need for the job, especially when you're looking at a master's. It makes a lot more sense. Um, but also that you're reducing that cost on the front end as much as possible. Um, you know, if you're if, if you're in high school and your dream job is going to be something where it's useful to have a an advanced degree anyway, you know, knocking out your bachelor's at a low cost in-state school is going to give you a scholarship, like do that and then and then go to a dream school, you know, a school that's really going to put you where you want to be for a master's, which is only going to take you two years, a lot easier for you to get uh, loans for yourself on that one, things like that. And then on the back end afterwards, if you have federal student loans, I cannot stress this enough. There are so many generous repayment options. Um, every time you read any article about student loans, it sounds like it's the biggest crisis ever and that nobody can afford anything. Look, if you don't have a job and you have federal student loans and you're on an income-based repayment plan, your payment is $0 every month. So as long as you can keep making that $0 payment every month, then then that's that's okay. Um, and it's, it's very easy to kind of um, defer payments for a little while. If you're in financial hardship, um, and most uh, income-based payment plans, it's limited to 10 or 15 percent of your income anyway. So you know when someone says, "Oh no, you know the student loan payment is taking up, you know half my income," well, you should probably not be on that payment plan. Like that's, you know, I'm not. It's it's not your fault. Nobody makes it easy to find these things, but just do know there are lots of options. And even if your servicer isn't, you know, your servicer isn't likely going to reach out and tell you, hey, it's, it looks like you should be on this plan. <laughs> Look at those plans yourself. Talk to your servicer. Talk to uh, a third-party financial advisor who might be able to kind of look at those and you know in a rational way for you. But there's there's no need for those to be um, kind of crisis level stressful for anybody. Uh, and this would be a good time to remind folks of our archive mpbonline.org/slash/money-talks because I think it was just last week mm -hmm. uh, we talked to Stephen Brown of Get to College. Get to College, right? And, and that's a that's a fantastic resource for helping you understand how to reduce that cost of college in the first place. Not only is a group like that helping you find scholarships, uh, help you understand the cost of various schools within state, I mean, that's kind of their expertise, but they also offer test prep and and help with help with applications in a way that you are a better student for that college and you are more likely to get uh, to get scholarships and I know he even mentioned some of the you know some of the things that you can do on there last week the last category uh, from nerd wallet uh, is uh, auto loans average of twenty eight thousand thirty three dollars uh, Edmonds.com reports that the average amount financed for a new car in 2018 was about thirty one thousand dollars and 
and the uh, the new car monthly payment hit an all-time high of $531 in August of 2018. That's a big chunk of your budget. That's all those those shiny new F-150s you see on the highway. And so I, uh, the last time I had to replace a car, I kind of went to the late model used car, and I think that that's that's been helpful financially, and I think, you know, because a lot of times when you buy a new car, Mm -hmm. the idea of buying a car is you get a new car, fancy bells and whistles, new car smells good, all that sort of thing. You like the sound of the guarantees that come with it. But to me, a, a late model used car, you're you're you know you're saving some money, and also you're still probably upgrading. And if you do do some smart shopping, you're getting a car that's in that's in good condition. The other interesting thing: the common term now is seventy two months with an eighty four month loan, not far behind. Isn't I that crazy? That's yeah. Yeah. a long time. That that means for most people, and I hear that from folks. Um, I'm always going to have a car payment. Well, you know, you think about five hundred dollars a month that could be going towards your retirement or some other um, thing that you'd like to save for. Um, that's Boy, a big hit. Dave Ramsey would be so mad if he heard that. Um, but I mean, it used to be. I mean, the common car loans are three, four, and five years out, mm-hmm. um, and even in five years was considered long. And that's common even so recently that I was just looking on some um, auto loan calculators, and they don't go beyond five years. They just haven't been updated. Uh, but the 72-month, that's a six-year loan. The 84-month, that's a seven-year seven loan. Yeah. Uh, that's a long... And, and I will say cars are lasting longer. They are, but seven years, I mean, that's... I mean, kind of, people don't usually own their cars for that long. I mean, even though the cars will last, uh, I mean, my, you know, it's just this weekend, my sister has the same kind of car I have, but hers is mm, 14 years old. Um, so, you know, that's that's a rare example of somebody actually driving a car for that long. But people get tired of them and people want a new car. Well, and what we have seen is we, we do actually change vehicles every seven years. So that, yes, would, that's, that, would, that means that's you're always going to have a car note. That's about it. But I'm in the camp that tries to get rid of a car note, and that's why it's always funny to me when periodically the dealer will call me and say, hey, you know, you've got this car that's two years old. Don't you want to get a new one? And I'm kind of like, uh, no, I don't. I want to pay for the one I already have. And he needs a commission. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's take one final break this hour. We are talking today about uh, uh, the the average uh, snapshot of Americans and their financial situation. been talking about budgeting and other sorts of things. If you have a personal finance question for us, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Email the show money at mpbonline.org. If you think that you might need help from a credit counselor, we'll tell you how to find one when we come back from this final break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back 
to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been looking at a snapshot, the average American, what their financial situation looks like, continuing that discussion in just a minute. But before the break, we also mentioned uh, folks in need maybe of some credit counseling. Uh, I know our original co-host of the show, Chris Burford, was a credit counselor. Uh, but founded in 1951, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling is the nation's first and largest nonprofit dedicated to improving people's financial well-being. Uh, and so if uh, you feel like uh, you need some assistance, uh, you know, keep getting a hand and, and keeping control of your debt uh, and your credit situation, uh, you can go uh, there. Uh, they have a website and also a toll-free number, 1-800-388-2227. So, Rod, I think you've got some feedback on our discussion. Uh, yeah, so uh, talking about car loans and home loans, that seems to get my friends very excited, my, my uh, public radio listening friends. Uh, we have another 14-year-old car out there on the road, and I'm, I'm pretty sure she's a pretty safe driver, so don't worry about it, guys. Uh, she, she said she's had no car note for the past 10 years, so I guess she had a four-year note, had that paid off, um, since, had that car since 2005, so hang on to that uh, as long as it's treating you well. I mean, and, 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 and if you think about it, you know, a car is a very big uh, one-time expense. You know, there's maintenance along the way, and you get oil changes, and maybe you have problems that you know are more expensive but you spend a lot of money on the front end and so every year after that that you own that car that reduces that overall expense you know if you pay ten thousand dollars for a car and you drive it one year and then get rid of it you pay ten thousand dollars to drive for that year if you drive it for 10 years you've paid a thousand dollars a year i mean that's a very fast and loose uh playing very fast and loose with the math there but um that's just one way to think about it. well but cars um are status symbols you know, so we get we get our ego caught up in that instead of stepping back and looking at the numbers. Yeah, uh, we have a caller on the line. So um, why don't we say good morning Kids. to uh, Judy, who's joined us from Hernando. Good morning, Judy. You're on the air with us. Hello. I wanted to make a comment about buying a car. You may have already discussed it because I cannot listen waiting on, on you to pick up. But I would venture to say that we all as parents and grandparents set our children up for failure by getting them new cars in high school. The best thing a child can do or a young adult can do is save their money and buy the crummy car first. I think saving, that, saving, saving, and then they can afford. Once they get something paid for and you do get a new car, you should never buy something where you cannot save for your next car as you're driving the car you have now. A car savings account should be something you have the same as a health savings account. I think uh, that's good advice. I, I, yeah. I think that's a re- can't make money. Right. I, th- I think that's a very good point about, you know, if, if you buy a car for your child, that's a very large, again, it's a very large expense, even if it, even if it's a somewhat cheap use Sometimes car, it's self-defense, though. That's a, <laughs> that's a very large expense. And, um, and especially if you're letting them treat it as their car, they need to understand the financial obligation that it took to get that car and maintain that car. Um, you know, while 
while it's not necessarily practical for everybody to uh, say, well, I'm sorry, you got to say for your own car, because, you know, if you're a busy parent who can't pick up your kid or can't take them to and from work, I mean, if they can't get to and from work, you know, trouble. But, you know, that's that's a problem. But but doing something, um, giving them some skin in the game, uh, making sure they know how to. I mean, super important. Make sure they know how to drive it carefully, but also make sure they're aware of if they're not doing the maintenance themselves, that they're you know taking it to get the oil change and they know that regular service schedule. So give them some skin in the game so they even if they don't have the entire financial obligation of it, if that's not practical for you, um, that, that they start to understand what that is like. Judy, good call. Thanks for calling in this morning. I agree. If you you know if if you bought the car yourself, you probably are going to pay a little bit more attention to making sure uh, that the maintenance is uh, kept up so that the car uh, you know works uh, in well uh, for a longer period Absolutely. of time. Uh, got a couple of minutes left. The last section I wanted to talk a little bit about was um, average American credit scores. The average FICO credit score broke records in 2017, and I'm assuming this is good. The average American has a 700 FICO score. This is according to Credit Karma. Yeah, wow. and that happens when times are good, when people are working, and uh, they're able to pay their bills on time. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start to see us move into a slowdown or recession, you will see those numbers erode. That's just natural. Yeah, and especially because when things are good, then people get their their credit uh, limit gets raised, um, and they don't have to carry a balance because they can pay it off easily. But the opposite is going to happen in a recession. Uh, so, according to Value Penguin, a report on credit scores, this is an interesting one too. Average credit scores tend to improve with age, except in your thirties. Any well, thoughts you, on what that? What do you think's happening then? You know, you're getting married, you're having children, you're buying a house, and you haven't reached your peak income years. You're just getting started in your career, so that just seems perfectly normal. Well, guys, I'll, I'll let y'all know. I'm I'm turning thirty one this year, so I'm starting down this <laughs> this path of 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 I guess my it's credit, all downhill from now, Ryder. Decrease for the next eight or nine years, but uh, I'll report back to y'all. Do you think that the public at large is is more aware of things like their credit situation? I mean, is it has it become? I think I think they are more aware. Certainly, we are seeing advertisements for uh, checking your scores and monitoring all of this and how to improve all of that. I don't think people still really appreciate how important that number is and how important it is yeah. to take care of your credit history. I, I think um, people are more aware. People are like, oh yeah, I have a credit score. And I know that it affects this, that, or the other. But there's also, uh, with that, just because people talk about it more, you know, there's more articles about it. You hear it on the news more. But there is so much bad information. Um, you know, people just have the craziest ideas about their credit score or, or about taking out a loan or about investing or about saving. Uh, people know, you know, past some passing information about this topic uh, or about a variety of topics um, but a lot of that information they may have gotten is actually maybe quite bad um, which is why you know always check multiple sources always check with someone who you trust as an expert and and who you have reason to believe is is giving you the right information because there's a lot of bad info out there 
All right, that will wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or listen to the podcast. You can search for Money Talks on your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Botridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks that's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.